The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remember, in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat with what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have, see, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm pre preaching on the Galatians lesson, but I'm going to comment on this Gospel lesson. Uh, the Gospel lesson is a, is a lot of fun. It's, 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 it encourages um, pastors like me to stay at the same church for 36 years. I stayed in the same church for 36 years because it says, don't move on from town to town. And, and it's, you know, the, the reason for that was a person who comes into a town and then, well, somebody offers you a better place to stay. This is the lawyer, go stay with him and stay where you are and don't, it's just an, that's an interesting look into human nature uh, in, in this lesson. And we do need more people to do what has to be done. The church is, is ailing today from the lack of evangelism. Uh, or either we don't know how to do it, we don't want to do it, or we don't care. I don't know which it is, but we're, we're suffering. We're suffering because we can't get the good news out there. We can't just be a social service agency. We have to bring the good news of salvation for all people. Saying that, I'd like to talk about freedom, because freedom is, is the gift that we have as people of the United States. Not long ago, a bunch of youngsters were asked the question, and I might have asked the kids today, if they had been kids, to ask them the question, what's so great about the United States? Jackie, age nine, said, we've got more stuff in America than anybody in the world. We have pizza as well and it don't grow any other place on earth except maybe Italy. <laughs> Heather, age five, America is best because people in other countries are smaller and they get trodden on easily. Elliot, age nine, 
Everybody wants to live in America because we own the moon. The president bought the moon from God for a million dollars, and I saw him send a spaceman up on TV. <laughs> Tina, age six, America is great because you get the best friends here. The last time I counted, I had a thousand friends, and I don't know anyone with as many friends as me. This is before Facebook. Jonathan, age six, other countries aren't free like America. They won't let you go to church, and if you do, they throw you in prison and whip you. First insightful one there. Sean, age nine, America is great because they have the most plumbers in the world. <laughs> That's because we've got more tubs. I want to be a plumber like my uncle, because he's real rich. <laughs> and the last kid, he brings us down to earth, Lou, he brings us, he says, he asked about America, the kid said, what's America? I hope I speak for everybody gathered here today when I say that we as a nation should thank God for freedom. Freedom is a precious gift and a gift for which we, many have paid the price dearly and completely. As American citizens, we know that their lifeblood have been given to create our land and we do not take sacrifices for granted. Today, we think about the gift of freedom. First, freedom carries with it responsibilities. It has become a cliche, but it is absolutely true. Freedom is not free. When John Marcand wrote his book, Wickford Point, he talks about a fictional family named the Brills. The Brills are an unusual family. They are living off the reputation of an ancestor by the name of Wickford Sage. Sage was a famed New England poet, made lots and lots of money, and left it all to the Brills. All of the characters in the Brill family are lazy and extravagant. Archie, the father, is a mural artist who never paints any murals. The young men are forever chasing after improbable jobs and won't amount to anything, and their sisters are forever chasing after rich, old family males who never amount to anything either. The Brills are bound to each other by unhealthy dependencies. But it's their mother, Cloethide, who epitomized the family. She spends most of her life lounging on the couch and asking this question, a quote from the book, why doesn't anyone take care of me, darling? I get tired of doing everything for everybody. I have to take care of everyone else all the time. It would be nice if someone else would take care of me for a change. The problem is that everyone in the family says the same thing, and each in his or her own way. Now, looking at the Brills, they have something that many of us long for, economic freedom. But their freedom robbed them of a sense of responsibility. Now, poor folks today are criticized in our culture, sometimes for having a sense of entitlement that they sense that the world owes them a living. And we often ignore that many of the wealthy feel exactly the same way. 
It can be a challenge for pampered people to develop a sense of responsibility. And without a sense of responsibility to our families, to our communities, to God, we waste away emotionally, spiritually, every way possible. Freedom carries responsibilities. And of course, freedom also carries with it consequences. The freedom to drive a car with its damage that it can cause, a car out of control, is a responsibility. The freedom to eat whatever you choose carries with it the responsibility to choose healthy foods and not to overindulge. Because we're reminded, the scriptures tells us that unlike some people say these days, these bodies are alone from God. These bodies do not belong to us. They are a gift from God and we should treat them that. And Paul speaks about it clearly in, at that, about that. So we should take care of it, eat properly, do that kind of thing. I do the best I can. But, you know, uh, I'll talk about sin later. Um, St. <laughs> Paul writes about freedom in our lesson, and you heard it last week very clearly too. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh, but if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Freedom means that we reap whatever we sow. It is one of the primary laws of this life. Okay? If it, if it applied to the next, where does God's grace go? Where does God's go, grace go that anyone who sins can be forgiven? Uh, it's about this life. So be, be careful with that one. If we, if we sow a good life, we reap a good life here. If we sow crude, indulgent life, we reap accordingly. It is our choice. That's why Paul counsels us. So let us not go weary in doing what is right. For we reap, we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. Freedom carries consequences. One of the consistent themes of St. Paul's writing, and of course we have more of St. Paul's writing than any other person in the scriptures, is the balance between freedom and the lack of freedom, or lack of restraint. Paul knew that what often seems to be freedom leads not to wholeness and health, but to disintegration and death. And many people lose the things most precious to them because they cannot handle the gift of freedom. Let me tell you the story about Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman knew how precious freedom is. Harriet's grandparents were part of the Ashanti people of Ghana, used to be the Gold Coast in Africa. Her grandparents were kidnapped from their land in 1725 and sold into slavery. Harriet was the third generation in her family to live as slaves. But Harriet Tubman became a link to freedom for her family and hundreds of other slave families. Harriet is probably the most famous conductor in what became known as the Underground Railroad. Harriet's flight from slavery was sparked by rumors that she and, and her sister and her two brothers were going to be sold to a chain gang. As if the backbreaking labors of the chain gang weren't enough, they would probably be split up and they would never see each other again. So Harriet decided to escape. 
She wandered by her parents' cottage that night, singing a gospel tune called Bound for the Promised Land. That was a secret code among the slaves that that person was going to run away that night. Harriet Tubman's escape was successful. She traveled mostly by night. She hid in fields and barns during the day. There were designated stops on the Underground Railroad where people who were sympathetic to the cause of freedom for all people would put them up. Her destination was the northern states or even Canada, where many enslaved people went to. Her life depended on her, her, her wits every step of the way. The fact that this lone woman successfully traveled to freedom is remarkable enough. That's not the end of the story. The fact is that she chose to return to slave country hundreds of times to lead others on the Underground Railroad to freedom. Astounding. She risked recapture, beatings, jail time, and even death to help others out of slavery. She was a remarkable person. And her charges sometimes had to suffer from hunger, Fear, lack of sleep, extremes of weather, exhaustion, but she urged them to travel on. At one point on their last leg of a trip going to Canada, they came upon the Niagara Falls, and there was this flimsy, flimsy wooden bridge that they had to cross. Surely there were times they all wanted to turn back, but Harriet said to them, children, if you are tired, keep going. If you are scared, keep going. If you are hungry, keep going. And Harriet Tubman herself kept going, risking her life to lead thousands of slaves to freedom. She once said, and this is an incredible statement, I freed thousands of slaves. I could have freed thousands more if they'd known they were slaves. Amazing. She could have freed thousands more if they had known they were slaves. You know, there are people today who are slaves and they don't even know it. Slaves to dangerous habits. Slaves to dehumanizing and degrading lifestyles. Slaves to self-defeating attitudes and life-defying practices. We live in a society that thinks it can defy the laws of sowing and reaping, but that is an illusion. If you want a healthy body, then sow the right seeds for a healthy body. Want a happy marriage, then sow the seeds of a happy marriage. We are free. We can choose. But freedom has consequences. One more thing. Our freedom cost our Lord his life. Here is the testimony of the New Testament. Christ died so that we can be free. The wonder St. Paul wrote later in this same chapter, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and to the world. Our freedom came at the price of Christ's blood. The late poet Maya Angelou wrote of Tom, a slave in the South before the Civil War. Tom's owner allowed him to take jobs off the plantation at night on holidays and on weekends. He worked hard all day at his own plantation, 
then walked several miles into town and worked to earn his own money. After two hours of sleep, he would rise and repeat the process. This went on for years, and Tom saved every penny. He didn't marry, he didn't spend the money, he saved it all. And after he had stashed away $1,000, which was a lot of money at that time, the owner said, he asked his owner, how much was he worth? Imagine asking to somebody, how much am I worth? And the owner said to him, well, most slaves bought between $800 and $1,200. But Tom, since you're older and have no children, if you want to buy your freedom, it would cost you $600. Tom thanked the owner and returned to his cabin. He dug up the money, and as he fondled the cash in his hands, he began to remember how hard he worked, how long he worked to earn this money. Finally, he put it back into the hiding place, returned to the owner and told him, boss, freedom is a little too high right now. I'm going to wait till the price comes down. The cost of freedom is high. Harriet Tubman, for her it meant the dangers on the Underground Railroad. For Christ, it meant death on the cross. What does freedom mean to us? I hope it means responsible lives, lives lived in service to God and to others. Freedom is a precious gift, and the abuse of freedom carries consequences. Our freedom has been bought by Christ. Let us not forget. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.